Hello, campers. Muddy, my co-host in our Chocolate Lab, is very supportive of my bass guitar playing. And when practicing for the two songs I sing in the band, he does not leave the room or scrunch down and cover his ears. Yet, I would not rank my confidence in my singing ability very high. So the question arises, how do you become a better singer? Well, I'm ecstatic to have Amy Curnow, a top-notch performer and vocal coach, as our guest today. You will recognize her voice immediately. She is the narrator for this, the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. She and her husband, Mark Solomon, run Zound Sounds here in Dallas, excellent vocalist and musician teaching facility. It's located on Garland Road, a couple blocks east of the Dallas Arboretum. It's also catty corner to hypnotic donuts. Sing, then a good donut fix. What could be better? <laughs> Amy comes from an awesome musical family. Her dad, James Curnow, is famous for the band music he writes. He is a rock star for concert bands, brass bands, marching bands, and more. During the interview, she will expand upon her family's musical skills and accomplishments. Also, be sure to check out Amy and her husband Mark's band, Charming Gardeners. Their first album is available on both Spotify and iTunes. And stay tuned. They are in the final stages of preparing a new album for release. Can't wait. Well, let's jump into this. Amy, please kick off this show so we can start talking with you about singing and songwriting. This is the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Listen up. It's all about the music. Let's check in on the artists, songs, and people behind the scenes. Are you listening? Hey, everybody. In this show, we're going to focus on a specific part of the music we listen to. The voice. The singer is obviously a central figure within all the music we listen to. Amy Curnow is our guest today. You know her as the narrator of the Dogger Muddy Music Show. In fact, you heard her just a few seconds ago intro the show. Her students, uh, her charming gardener fans, the record company that she works with, friends, spouse, and I know her as a tremendous performer and teacher of music. Amy and her husband, Mark, run Zound Sound School of Music. They are actually the two main partners to the band Charming Gardeners. So today, we're going to dig a little deeper into the art and work of becoming a singer, and some on the songwriter side as well. Amy, you are always here, but uh, Muddy and I think it's great that you are our guest today instead of just being the narrator. In fact, Muddy handed the microphone over to you so quickly. Uh, He's a great barker and howler, but he's not so much of a singer, so he was glad to give you the mic. But before we get into the voice discussion, I want to get a higher perspective from a singer-songwriter perspective. How do you see the relationship between a singer and a songwriter? Well, um, as a singer, straight, just singer, without being the songwriter, I am, my job is to be an interpreter of the other, whoever wrote the song. I'm interpreting the song for them and being the voice of them Absolutely. as well. So that's always been super important to me um, as I'm not the most prolific songwriter, but I have written a few songs in my life that I have to be the one to deliver the message of the songwriter yes. and yes. and do that in a way that they like it too. It's not just right. all about me either right. as a performer. Um, so that's very important to me as I deliver other people's songs. And then when I have written songs and I get to perform them, that's kind of just a fun special icing on the cake. And, and also Mark and I collaborate on songs too. So like if he 
hasn't written a full verse, then I'll finish it or vice, you know, vice versa, or I'll write the chorus or something like that. So um, usually he's the one that, the, the writing, and so I get to sneak in some stuff there if I haven't written a full song yet. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so you're right there with Mark, but right. I, I would assume you've, you've sung some songs that Mark didn't write. Oh, yeah, lots. <laughs> when, you, so when, the song, when a songwriter comes to you, how do you get out of that person what they want to say in the song? A lot of that is about lyrics and then finding the emotion behind the lyrics and putting myself in the position of whatever the lyrics are trying to convey, really, Um, and just trying to make whatever I'm singing about uh, pertinent to me and my situation so that no matter, you know, song lyrics can always be interpreted in so many different ways. Absolutely. (laughs) So, um, I mean, there's that. I always just put my own perspective in things, too, to put the emotion behind it to make it feel like, you know, I'm really living this song. Right, right. So. Does this songwriter sit down? Do they typically sit down with you and no. say, hey, this is what I want you to say? No. I've never had anyone really do really? that. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> no, I would you, think in songwriting, they have a, a, a message they want to tell. So I think most of the people that I've worked with, too, like the former band that I was in, Shanghai Five, um, he actually knew my voice really well and kind of wrote for me and my voice, which was really okay. cool as well, right. too. So he knew what my voice was capable of, and um, he would actually tend to get into my head sometimes, too, as far as writing lyrics and Uh-oh. just as what, what I was going through in the period of my life, and he would come up with things that would be you know, pertinent to, pertinent to what I was going through. So it was pretty cool that way, too. Right. So, and then other things like, um, like I've had, like, Trey Johnson, he's asked me to do stuff on his records before, so I've done... Trey's, Trey's with State Fair Records. His first solo record, I did all the background vocals on oh, did that. You? And, yeah, and he pretty much let me, he just sent me the tracks with his vocals on it. And, I mean, he had a few ideas, but I think for the most part, it was pretty much me. I just, I came up with a lot of that stuff, too. So, so did, did you go in the studio to record? Or, oh, yeah. Oh, so you heard it beforehand, so right. you had a good sense. So I had a, had a chance in. to live with it for a little bit and come up with some parts and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Live so. with it. I like, <laughs> I like that. That's a good term. Yeah, live with it. Because if it's going to be your song, you, you kind of do need to live with oh, it. Oh, yeah, you? for sure. Yeah, like the songs that uh, Mark and I write together or that he writes too, like we've definitely... We're married, so we've been, you know, we're, we've been, we're together all the time. That's right, so, all the time. Yep. So, you know, these things kind of have a way of working together and working themselves out together oh, yeah. that way. You, you hinted to this a little earlier. I want to exp- see if you can expand upon it. Your thoughts on interpretation. You know, there's your, your thought as the singer or as the songwriter, but there's also the interpretation by the, the listener, the fan. Because mm-hmm. many times, I mean, like Bob Dylan times, he won't tell you what the heck he was singing about. So, mm-hmm. the, so it gives free reign to all these people to make it theirs in a sense. But I wanted to get your opinion on interpretation of a song. I love being the interpreter, uh, interpreter of other people's songs. I think it's a really neat part of being an artist that most people don't really realize is artsy. I guess, you know, I think a lot of people that are already like doing singing and songwriting, it's that's intrinsically artistic. Does that because you're already written the song? Um, Sure. But if you haven't written the song, it gives you the chance to put some of your soul into it as well as the interpreter. Do you feel you chose your passion or did it choose you? 
Yeah, that's a that's kind of a long story, but a fun one too. I love, that. I love long stories uh, because I was born into a very crazy musically talented family, an artistic family. Awesome. Um, my mother's an uh, artist, visual artist, but my dad's a musician. Yeah, and yeah, so he writes band music for a living. So I was never not around music my whole life. I never remember not knowing how to read music or play an instrument. And so, and I grew up in church and and yeah. and. So that's so musical, you know, right. everything revolves around music, at least my church did. Right. And so I grew up with my mom and dad singing harmonies around me my whole life. And I just grew up with that, you know, and I, so I just pretty much feel like I didn't have a choice and I love it that way. <laughs> like yeah. that's, I can imagine doing anything else really in my life. So harmonies, I'm struggling with figuring that out, but it sounds like you start so early that it was just came natural. Yeah, almost to I you. just always hear harmonies, and like when I'm listening to other people's music or even stuff that I've listened to hundreds and hundreds of times, Beatles songs, like I'm always adding harmonies everywhere. And I'm like, uh, if I'm listening back and actually listening and not singing along, I'm like, oh wait, that harmony's not there. I di- I just did that. So <laughs> yeah, that's it's cool. just <laughs> I don't know. I just always hear that. So. So when you say band music, clarify that. Like symphonic, brass, okay. wind, um, orchestral. He's even written weird stuff for like Civil War reenactment bands, like Army-Navy bands, like the whole gamut from beginning band and he writes. So when you say like marching bands could be Mar- playing, could some, be okay. marching bands. Yeah, okay. um, he wrote a piece for the 1986 Olympics in Atlanta, Georgia. Cool. Yeah, so I mean, he's just done stuff. For, been writing for years and years and is uh, really one of the foremost composers, you know, in the world. He's still active? Oh, yeah. He's very active. In fact, he's traveling this weekend to do some competition or he does, he judges a lot of competitions and he's also still premiering his original compositions constantly. So that is so cool. Yeah. So I I feel like uh, he's a genius. He's a total musical genius. Like the way he writes is just amazing. And he writes kind of like Mozart. Really? So when you say that, what does that mean? That means that uh, Mozart would hear a whole work from beginning to end in his head before he ever wrote a note down. And that's kind of what my dad does, which I just can't even... It's absolutely amazing to me that he does that. You know, he's not even really... Like, he can't really even play piano. He's... um, yeah, right. Whoa. So he did. I know he's. It's crazy. But he grew up playing brass instruments, okay. and so he grew up playing euphonium. So he, I mean, he was a very good euphonium player, you know. And brass band was kind of his ticket when he was growing up too. So it's you know, a total different world from what yeah. I've come into. <laughs> it's such an amazing introduction to music for me and education. I mean, I it was just amazing. Growing so up would like he that. sit there? So he'd get it all worked out in his head. You know, I, I always, if something pops into my head, I better write it down mm-hmm. pretty quick or it's, it's floated. Me too. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> floated out the window. It's gone way, way away. Mm-hmm. Would he have a handheld recorder? No, I don't know. I, he, he uses, um, man, he still like uses manuscript paper and writes everything out on this, on, from, you know, top to bottom of all the, the whole score with all the parts and, Good um, golly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then he, now he has people that, that work for him and transcribe it and he like do it on the computer for him. He'll, you know, so it's, it's gotten a little bit more updated and with technology in God, the more recently right. years, but yeah, I mean, and he's he's probably written over 800 pieces. So, Whoa. Yeah. So anyone that's played a band instrument in the last 30 years, pretty much starting from beginning band, um, I mean, just everywhere, community bands, brass, anything that you can think of with the symphonic and that kind of band, they've yeah. played his music. I mean, he's 
he's up there. So. And, and if they run into him and they recognize his name, he's like a rock star. Yeah, right? he, he really is. He's kind of the rock star of that kind of world. So. And before before the show started, you mentioned that your uncles aren't bad either in yeah. the music world, right? Yeah, my uncle, um, and then he's got some cousins that are really kind of famous in like more of the movie and... Um, Good golly. Big band. and yeah, yeah, so it's it's kind of a musical family that I came from. <laughs> That's cool. Many times, that's what you read, is there's there's somebody in the family that kept promoting it or, mm-hmm. or, or that you pushed each other. Maybe it's two siblings. It's like Stevie and Jimmy. They pushed each other. Yeah. But a lot sure. of times you hear that, boom, they, they had a, their mom or their dad loved music. You know. And everyone in my family played instruments and plays instruments. Like really? my brother played trombone. My sister is a percussionist. My mom played alto horn and can sing. You know, those are brass instruments, whatever. Yeah. But that's how what I grew up around. I'm very classically trained. I mean, I have a bachelor's and master's in voice. So because I was I brought up in the more classical world, right. I felt like I needed to go that path. And then as I finished my master's degree, I was like, I don't really want to do this for, I don't want to sing opera for the rest of my life. So. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Folks, when you go and listen to the Charming Gardeners or you go check out some of their recording, you'll hear Amy's voice and it's just kind of pure, very just beautifully, just clean as a whistle. Now with that though, you sing a lot of rock or, mm-hmm. or folk rock songs. How do you... You don't sound operatic <laughs> when you sing those songs. No, how do you? No. How do you, I guess? How do you think differently, or how do you approach those songs differently? Well, yeah, it's very different a way to approach it. But I use the same kind of technique, and that's how I teach as well. I use the same kind of breathing technique, which is super okay. important. Breathing and just the way you manipulate your muscles in your throat and your head and your face are all connected. It's it's really so how many muscles a, we got in our throat? Oh man, uh, I can't even tell you how many. We're and everything's connected. Though, and that's the thing. So, if you're moving muscle in your eyebrow, sometimes that can affect your voice muscles. So, oh, yeah, it's up. it's crazy how connected it all is, and how you know our whole head and inside our head are all covered with muscles. And so, manipulating all those muscles, but you do it in the same way. You just learn how to like straighten out your tone as opposed to having a big vibrato, which right. which is naturally occurring. So, when people don't have a vibrato or have a raspy voice, that's actually signaling something's wrong with the voice or yeah there's damage or something like that so um i have an ear for that as well as when i'm teaching i can kind of tell what's going on in oh wow so you can tell that they're pushing themselves too far and they're right or down the road they could hurt themselves right or they're tightening their tongue in a wrong way or their tongue's going up in the back of their throat i can hear all that when i'm teaching and it's kind of weird but um (laughs) (laughs) and i i think a lot of that has to do with i'm a very empathetic person as well so i kind of feel things sure as well when i when i hear people sing actually it's kind of funny because like some people it's hard for me to listen to because it physically kind of hurts me because I know what they're doing mechanically and it makes me kind of tighten up or, you know, right, the same right. way. So that's kind of a, a strange phenomenon. Well, and then also I, I hear I've got some friends, perfect pitch or whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they'll say it's kind of a different aspect of hurting, but they'll they'll, they'll hear somebody saying and they'll be off pitch and yes. it, it like hurts. Yes, and I get that too. I don't have perfect pitch, but I have very relative pitch. And actually, in fact, my husband calls me old dog ears because my e- my ears are so good. Like I can hear things that most people can't hear. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good. So you haven't blown them with big speakers coming No, about. not yet. Big amps coming behind Although your head. Although we played last weekend and my ears were still ringing for three days. So. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's not great for the instrument, but you know. No, we, no. <laughs> 
All right. So you're kind of leading into my next question was you're ready to sing. What are some of the tools you use to deliver the song? You, you talked about the muscles, but what, right. are the, what are kind of the core pieces for somebody to understand when they're going to deliver a song, sing a song? Going back to technique, first breathing, I think, is one of the biggest foundations you can have for singing. If you don't have the breath support, then you can't sustain, and you also end up hurting your voice as well. The breath support really is a support system for your vocal cords, and which are muscles. And part of delivering that is using your whole body, because as a singer, your whole body is your instrument. It's not just your vocal cords. Okay. It really is a full, total body experience if you're doing it correctly, and you should be tired after you finish singing. I'll bet. Yeah. I'll bet. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's part of putting everything into the delivery as well All when right. you're delivering a song. So do you breathe Oh, deep yeah. down in yes. the gutter, do you breathe from the chest? Yes, it's very low, deep breathing. Okay. And when you're first learning, when I'm first teaching breathing for singing, it's slow and low. But then as you are um, progressing as a singer, you have to learn how to take those big, huge breaths in a quick manner, you know, because you don't, okay. always, you don't sure. always have a long time to breathe, you know, in between phrases or right, whatever. Right, right. Oh, yeah, so, I know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to learn how to really open up and do these quick abdominal big breaths and fill up completely, and then use your diaphragm to help push that air out without hurting the rest of your instrument and your throat and you're releasing and relaxing. So there's there's a lot to go <laughs> that goes in to all of it. And it's kind of a, it's a big, I always say there's a huge synchronicity that has to happen in your body for your voice to come out correctly and beautifully too, yes, yes. you know, at the same time. Yeah, so, good, to make, oddly, so good posture, yes. obviously, oddly enough. And that is the first thing I teach in my lesson is posture. Is posture it? is really important because if you're not holding your body up in the correct way, you can't breathe in the correct way. Right. If your torso isn't elongated and then you don't have all the space that you need to fill up because you are actually filling up your entire abdomen with air. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we got breathing. We've got posture. posture. Mm-hmm. Was was now? Uh, what about understanding pitch? How does somebody figure out how to do that? You can teach. I don't think people are tone deaf. I think if you are around it enough, you can you pick up on it. But you can actually teach pitch. I think a lot of that is innate too. I would think so. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, the better singers already have that kind of inner ear already in the pitch center in their head, and so it's not that hard so the people that want to do it that aren't necessarily as good or don't have the best pitch though because they want to do it it's also doable you know what i mean because if they're they want to learn then they can do it as well yeah i remember this is kind of strange i remember susan tedeschi who i love with tedeschi trucks Mm -hmm. great voice but uh, this was like 15 years ago or whatever she was being interviewed and she talked about her frustration with these some of these pop singers that she said were singing off key all the time, but they're making millions mm-hmm, of dollars. Mm-hmm. So I guess, so some of the people we listen to aren't really right on. T- oh, right no. T- and that's, I know, because uh, I have kids all the time say things about, you know, well, kids and um, the artists in general today, like a lot of the artists that are out today are kids and haven't had training at all, whatever, right. you know? And so they're just doing what they love and somehow they've get, gotten noticed and, an example, I would say like Adele is a big one. She's got this amazing, beautiful voice, but 
because she didn't really have any training, she hurt her voice early on and she's already had surgery on her vocal cords because she's just, she's been doing it wrong. So she didn't have training. I don't think she had much training. And when I, when I hear that first record of hers, which is amazing record, she was 19 years old and it came out. I mean, phenomenal. Her range was insane. Phenomenal. I know, but I can hear the vocal damage on that first record. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. When I'm listening to it, I can hear it already. And so it's just like, I like to try and prevent people from doing that before they, you know, before they actually get started so they can actually have some longevity too, you know? Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, in fact, isn't she kind of saying she's done? Probably. Yeah. I think she, I mean, she does, isn't really touring much anymore or anything. So she also had a kid, so she's probably raising her kid. She did did so well on those first two albums. She doesn't have to do anything else if she doesn't want to. Yeah. I'll I'll bet you, I would think she'll probably want to come back at some point in time. With that voice. Yeah. Yeah, and then diction, which I think gets, that oh, gets back into... That's that's a huge thing, you know, because as you're conveying a message and being the interpreter, if you can't understand any of the words, what's that all matter? Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, you have to be able to, to enunciate, just make sure that people can understand what you're saying. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like there's, there's a... I can't remember the, the name of the song, but there's a, a Pearl Jam song with Eddie Vedder that people have put a YouTube... YouTube version of what they think he's saying. And I mean, I'm I was, sure there's all kinds of stuff. Right. I was crying. I was laughing so hard because it's just, you know, and, and that's not what he was singing. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. So the individual thinks they can sing. Where do they go from there? Church? I mean, where, where, where does, you know, somebody thinks they can sing early on. How, how, what do you recommend to them to get out? and? If they're young still yeah. and wanting to start, I highly recommend be in your school and church choirs. I mean, getting used to singing with other people is so important and being able to carry your own part without going to other parts. And that's huge in learning how to sing harmonies, (laughs) singing next to somebody else, you know? I mean, and just the musicianship that you gain from doing that kind of music, because it's a totally different kind of music. And that really does kind of prepare your voice for that kind of singing choral music is a lot harder and strenuous than folk music or whatever. Some, you know, yeah, yeah. Rock and roll can be very hard and strenuous for sure. You know, singing uh, opera is is strenuous in a different way, or singing in choral music is is strenuous in a different way. So. Right, right. Now, let's say you're a little bit older, been singing, and you saw one of those TV shows. Mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever. You're like, I think I can do that. I think I can do that. I actually found my band. I don't sing, but I, I, well, I sing a couple songs. I found my band via software called Bandmix, oh, an yeah. application out there on the internet called uh, Bandmix. Mm-hmm. So they they were auditioning bass players, and I found it and went and auditioned and won the won the gig. See, I'm any, I'm, I'm old fashioned. I don't I don't know anything about all that. Like for me, it's really important. I think to be out in the scene and going to see shows and yeah. you know meeting other musicians and maybe playing open mics and things like that to where you're um, getting exposure that way and people are still hearing you and then you're also meeting other people on the scene because that's how we got to help each other out that way. You know, building the community and building the scene that way, and then you meet other musicians through that. Well, you and Mark were kind of one of the lead people. You were almost there every week for that practice that Trey Johnson put together mm-hmm. where he'd say everybody in the state fair fair record family you know come over to such and such a, a bar mm-hmm. and sing on Thursday night and you were there almost every right. time and his take was if you're going to do it you got to learn how to do it you mm-hmm. can't learn it sitting, singing there, sitting there singing about records right. so any thoughts on that well yeah you got to get out there and perform you know yeah. you got to be in front of people um the only way to like if you're scared of 
performing in front of people, you got to do it. You got to <laughs> get over You got to get up there and do it because the only thing that's going to make you not scared anymore is just more and more experience doing it. Right. Um, and then if you're just playing in the studio all the time, it's just, that's fun, but there's a certain energy you get in a, 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 that from performing with in front of a live audience and just right. getting the feedback being in that space it's it's kind of for me when i perform it's kind of transcendental that's my favorite place to be is it yeah is on stage you know and singing my heart out and so yeah i think performing is the the best the most important and that in turn builds your confidence oh sure yeah and then i would assume over time you kind of from that you learn how to build a stage presence yeah and um some people just have it some people have charisma you know for sure i've definitely worked with a lot of kids that they have to build up to it and then there are those that just step on stage and they're like look out they're natural and they're they're 12 year old kids saying tip your bartender and you know like just <laughs> you know like it's, it's just funny some people just so got it tell them mom and dad right now they're gonna be yeah. singing at a bar before they're 16 yeah exactly well their parents was one of the parents is a bartender so it's okay but yeah it's but right. yeah some people just step on stage and have it so i mean it can't be taught but there's definitely something to say about the uh, the charisma of a born performer. Yeah. <laughs> when I remember Trey saying, it's also the good, if it's not going well, how do you handle it? You just keep playing. <laughs> really? I mean, there's nothing else you can do. It's just... When uh, somebody comes to you at Zound Sounds, what do you take them through to assess their ability? Well, when I'm first starting a student, like I said before, the very first lesson really doesn't have a lot of singing involved. It's mostly um, talking about how your body is your instrument okay. and how to treat your body as a singer. There's there's some vocal hygiene tips that I go through as far as like you know not yelling, actually not whispering, whispering. So you don't listen to their voice first. You oh. just hey, you want to sing? No. I'm going to teach you how to sing. Yes, I don't care what their voice sounds like right at the at the beginning. Cool. That, we'll get to that. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 about building it from the bottom up basically. And once we start cuz I I'll do the the vocal hygiene and then I'll do a posture lesson and then I usually the very first lesson I do posture and then I send them home with three breathing uh, exercises to go work on and then by the next week we come back and we start doing vocal exercises. Can you share one or two of those breathing The breathing techniques? Yeah. yeah, yeah, one of my favorite and the first one that I teach everyone is to lie down on the floor and um, legs out extended, put one hand between your hip bones and one hand on your diaphragm if you know where your diaphragm is. It's the little the little <laughs> soft spot that goes up between your rib when your rib cage when you're comes your together rib, yeah when you uh the the middle of your rib cage is this little soft spot right underneath your sternum right. and right about that little soft spot right about there in the middle of the top of your stomach is where your diaphragm is and it's this upside down bowl shaped muscle that sits on top of your stomach and then oh. obviously you've had the hiccup so you that's a good indication um of where your diaphragm is because that's your diaphragm having a muscle spasm Oh, all right. So if you can learn to control your breath, you can also learn to control those hiccups. So so the the first breathing exercise I do is have you lie down with your hand on your diaphragm so you can feel that rise and fall. And then also your hip bones because that's where your breath should actually originate. As, From as, your hip bones? Yes. Originate? Yes. yes it, should, it should start down there as low as possible. Wow. And when your body, when you lie down, your body already, already automatically um, kind of goes in this relaxation state and knows what to do because it's basically the same kind of breathing that we do when we're asleep. Right. But um, we're, I'm just teaching you how to do it in your conscious moments. So it's that deep, slow relaxation breathing. Okay. Yeah. So you fill from the bottom up, and then your chest is actually the last thing to fill up. 
And so the exercise is lying down on the floor. When I do it with you, I count, and I count to five very slowly. I usually start with about five. And so I want you to fill up your belly like a big balloon up until five. Five and then, seconds. Yeah. Uh-huh, and then we'll go backwards, and then when we go backwards, you should empty out all the air, and by the time you get to one, it should be completely empty. And so In you, the same time frame? So you're or? going one, two, three, four, five. You're completely full like right. a big balloon, and then I go backwards. Five, four, three. Two, one, and then you should be be completely empty by the end of that. Okay. And then we do that consecutively for a few for a few um, times, I guess, like three or four times, and that usually starts to get pretty easy. So then we go up to six or seven seconds, and then I have people do that at home on their own, and just lie around on the floor and breathe. And you want to do that for a few minutes every day, just so you're getting used to what it feels like to to fill up your body with breath, because right. your body already knows how to do it. Right. right. So you don't right. usually have to think about it. Right. So this is making you think about it. <laughs> yeah. And actually be really aware and conscious of what's going on in your body as you're breathing. So that way. And to a certain extent, that forces you to have better. Um Posture or posture, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you are filling up your torso. So if you don't have the posture, and that's why I said that, that's my first lesson that I teach. If you're if you can't hold your sternum up, your your sternum then pushes on your diaphragm, and then you can't breathe. <laughs> And the voice lessons are so cumulative, too, because, you know, you have to learn one thing first, and then the next thing adds to it. Okay, somebody's been singing and performing for a while. When someone like that comes to you, what are they typically seeking from you? It usually almost always comes down to breathing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So breathing but, is breathing is the basic, and somebody's been singing for five years. They got to get back to the basics, uh-huh. and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, I've had adult students that are in the music scene and been doing it for ten, fifteen years come to me because they wanted help, just because they they knew they weren't doing it right and really needed some help with it. Doing four to eight lessons as an adult, you can kind of pick up on these things a little. Right. Well. I take that back. Sometimes it's different because sometimes, you know, it's hard for old dogs to learn new tricks. So so sometimes it's almost harder for adults. But for the most part, adult students kind of pick up because you have a little bit more control over your bodies than the kids. Right. You've been recorded. You're currently in the process of putting out a new record with your husband, Mark. How do you all put yourself in a position to get that to happen? I've been in the music scene here for a long time. So I've just known people and, you know, gotten to meet people through that and then that's that's basically how it's worked out just humping it in the music industry that's a good point we're going back to your point earlier of you, know, you go to things mm-hmm. go to events and not just i would assume when you we say that don't just go to the big shows you're never going to get close to anybody no. there but go to the kessler go to the granada go go to, go, go to Dada, three links you yeah know, any of those littler venues where you know you're actually going to meet the musicians right and you're going to meet fellow musicians in the audience you know and get to know each other and then the, that's how you start playing shows together and then you start recording together and you find out somebody has a recording studio or somebody has a record label and they like your stuff and they're yeah. you're lucky enough to get it recorded then you know um i think you it, network mm-hmm, basically you exactly. network your ass off yeah yeah, and in this day and age, most people aren't going to get a record deal anymore. You know, like the old school million dollar record deal. And oh, this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know yeah, that's that just not exist. happening yeah, anymore. Yeah. And so we're actually kind of torn if we're going to put out a full record or not. If we're just going to release them as singles, because not many people buy records anymore, unless you're actually putting out vinyl again. So right, <laughs> you know? which is big. Which yeah, is real big. yeah. So it's just funny how 
the industry has morphed and changed so much over the last, I mean, always, but in the last 20 years with technology, it's just been crazy changes and trying to navigate that whole thing as a musician and singer and songwriter and you know, recording artist and all of that is kind of interesting to yeah. do, you know, and try and stay relevant through all of it. And Tell, tell us a little bit about the uh, Charming Gardeners album that you're working on now. Well, we just finished uh, the tracks for one of our newer songs. All the tracks are actually, we're going in next week to do the vocals. I'm very oh, good. excited about that. Yeah. Oh, that'll be great. Okay, so yeah. you're, you're really moving down mm-hmm. towards closure. We've just finished writing a new song last week, too, and kind of got the band together and finished it as a band, which was nice, because a lot of times... Mark will have the full song or he likes to go and jam and work it out or whatever. But we got to do that as a band this week. So um, that's a really fun new song. And I think we're going to try and do some live recording, actually go back to basics and really just get in a room and play songs live, which people don't do anymore. And we're really kind of into doing that. So yeah. we're gonna, oh, so you mean within the studio? We're going to go in live. studio, but we're going to do it live. old school live. Like you, you play this a whole song and that's how it is <laughs> you yes. don't go and do overdubs and you know like, like they used it. to do it yeah so hopefully by the fall this will be released. that would be great yeah that's what we're looking for some of the artists muddy or our listeners and i you know they may not have quality voices but they sell their song, songs through good lyrics or emotion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so your your thoughts on those kind of singers and i love those kind of singers i have a great appreciation for more of the song stylist okay, yeah. even though i'm uh, classically trained and i do have a very pure voice i can still appreciate the artistry of the lyrics and how it all comes together and the passion for it you know when there's nothing better than that to me like a great example of that i love tom waits you know he's not oh, the, he's man. not the best singer but oh i love him you I know him i mean he's just there's that man he's just amazing you know yeah, and if the, i ever got to interview him that would be a real kick yeah. now i yeah. also i also get the impression it would be very strange also, <laughs> yeah, of course it would that's what you want right? <laughs> right right yeah tom waits or going old school janice right joplin or, or, now, or joe cocker of, janice joplin i have to say she's one of the one that actually hurts me to listen to i, I can't I can, I, I would think so. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. 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 I, She's I, usually my main example of that. But, but I still, you know, I, I get. Her emotion I, was yes. amazing. Yeah. And she was almost unrivaled on the stage, her energy on the stage, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, just out of this world. So yeah. I love that you brought up Tom Waits. That's so cool. <laughs> Let's switch hats to the songwriter side of the house. What inspires you to be creative when you're working with Mark on that? How, how do you work through that creative process? Well, I'd say, let's see, well, when he's, when we're working together, he's definitely the most prolific of the two of us. And so he'll, he'll come up with like most of the song and he'll leave out a verse here or there. And so I, I kind of, and because we are, we are so, I don't know, we're, our lives are so intertwined. Like we kind of think right. a lot alike, I'll bet, yeah. you know, Finish each other's yeah, sentence, yeah. Yeah. So that is very helpful with that. And yeah. I can kind of write the next verse where it makes sense with what he's already written or whatever. So do you have the message for the song in mind as you start it or does it evolve as you write it? It usually evolves. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So, and then when I've written just songs by myself, unfortunately, um, it was when I was like sad or something. And so that was my inspiration. A lot of it was going through some hard times, you know, and so some of the, some of the best songs are written in breakups or whatever, you know? So that's, those have been some of my inspirations in in the past. Yeah. Almost all rock and roll 
role artists have sung that type of song at one time yeah, or another. <laughs> for sure. But I've been so happy for so long. I can't write sad songs anymore. Amy, when somebody wants to follow you, uh, how, where's the best way f- to find out information for where you're doing a gig, when you're doing a gig, and et cetera? Oh, so we have, uh, of course, we have a Facebook page, and that's Charming Gardeners yeah. on Facebook. I have my also my own Facebook page when I post everything on both of those. That's, that's basically true. That's basically it. I try to do things on Instagram. I don't know. I'm just... <laughs> So bad it takes that. a little effort. It yeah, takes a little effort. so it's mostly on Facebook. Yeah. So you've released some recordings and etc. So I would assume mm-hmm. you're up on Spotify, iTunes? Spotify, iTunes, yeah. Um, my current band, Charming Gardeners, we have an EP on iTunes right now. And then, Good. like we said, working on releasing some new stuff. That The stuff on iTunes is rather old. And then I also have another band that I used to sing with. I think that stuff is still up on iTunes, too. It's pretty fun stuff. It's called Shanghai Five. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen pictures of the Shanghai mm-hmm. Five, man. <laughs> yes. Okay, if someone wants to take the next step, they've listened to us today. They now have a, an initial sense as to how to breathe, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. <laughs> but they want to take the next step, and they want to reach out to you and, and sign up. How, how do they do that? Um, well, you could go to our Zound Sounds on Facebook. Um, that's I, We teach at a Zound Sound School of Music. You're in Dallas, Texas. Yes. What area of town are you? It is East Dallas, uh, just on the other side of White Rock Lake by the Arboretum. Okay. And right now we're doing summer sessions and camps, so we're doing... With like, the kids. Yeah, intense days of work, and then we usually take them to the recording studio and record what they've done at the end of the week. And you record a fair amount... You work with a fair amount of a adult or, or young young adult singers, too, I right? I do, yeah. All ages. The, the youngest is probably eight. I think eight or nine is a really good age to start voice lessons. But any younger than that's too young. I usually start on piano before that. Do you? So, mm-hmm. the, the famous piano lessons. Yes, that I think it's with. so important. How bad it is, yeah. I didn't do it, but mm-hmm. yeah, I started banging in tin pans a lot early on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and my I was forced to play piano my whole life classically when I was little and wow. didn't love it, but I'm so glad I had it now. You I'll know? bet. Yeah, so it was a great foundation. All right. Well, as we yeah. come to the end of the show... Any inspirational thought you may have for your fans or for people out there who want to sing? I, I know that I threw a big one at you, didn't I? That's not very. That's fun. a hard. Question. I didn't. I didn't build it up. I, I tried to build it up as big as possible. I know. Thanks. Well, really, you got to just follow your heart when you're singing. If you want to sing, you got to do it because there's nothing better than getting up on stage in front of people and singing your heart out. I tell you, and you can't feel it any other way or doing anything else in life. Really, I th- yeah, I th- it's it's incomparable. I think <laughs> having been kind of a sport sports nut growing up, and also loving music, a band is one of the ultimate teams. Oh yeah, I, I mean it's so fascinating to sit there and now this will sound weird. People will say, "Oh, I love that song. You you guys nailed it." Mm-hmm. Well, but you as the artist know, yeah, we were off a little bit here, oh, we yeah. were off a little bit there. <laughs> but then there is that moment. In fact, I just got goosebumps running up and down my back where you do something and it's just right there Mm -hmm. and it's like you're in the pocket yeah yeah it's so awesome it's just such a treat it really is and there's nothing like it yeah there is so and that's inspiration enough for me (laughs) you know absolutely absolutely i love it well amy this has been great thank you for your time today and and obviously thank you for your ongoing narration and support for the dogger and muddy music show (laughs) 
All right. We'll it. see you down the road. And I think we'll, we'll have you come back at some point in time. We'll move on to breathing technique number two okay. and, or other stuff. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I'll bring a piano next time. We'll Boy, I love some, it. We can do some vocal exercises. That's right. <laughs> and Muddy, Muddy sat, sat here calmly and enjoyed every minute of it. We'll have to get him singing, too. Yep. <laughs> Hound dog, Charlie. Yeah. All right. It's been super. You take <laughs> Thank care. Thank you so much. You got it. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I hope you made some mental notes on steps to getting started as a singer. If you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, be sure to check out Amy and Mark's Zound Sounds Musical Training Center. And be sure to follow Amy and Mark on their Charming Gardeners Facebook page for upcoming gigs and info on the upcoming release of their next album. On May 29th, Big Beat Dallas shut its doors at the new Toyota Music Factory complex in Irving, Texas. The leader and creative mind behind Big Beat is Billy Bob Barnett from Texas Honky Tonk fame. Number one, be aware that there are multiple music venues at the Toyota Music Factory in Irving. Big Beat was just one of them. Several other music venues are up, running, and ready for you to check out. Number two, since May 29th, bad words and lawsuits have been flying back and forth between the Toyota Music Factory in Irving, a North Carolina developer ARK group, Billy Bob's legal team, a taxpayer group represented by Billy Bob's lawyer, and the city of Irving. Based on multiple articles and conversations with musicians, I recommend keeping a close eye on the situation. This could be a tough battle. Neither side is clean as a whistle on this issue. This past Sunday was Father's Day. My family treated me to a Jerry Douglas Band concert at the Kessler Theater. The Jerry Douglas Band is thought of as a bluegrass band. Well, don't be deceived. I'd call them a jazz bluegrass band. They perform their music as well as music by Weather Report, Chick Corea, Jimi Hendrix, and others. Every one of the musicians in Jerry's band kicks ass. The bass player brought back strong memories of Jaco Pastorius, guitarist Larry Carlton, the horn section Miles and Coltrane, the fiddle player dukes it out with the best, the drummer represents Nolens well, and Jerry had his dobro simply smoking. What a show. When they hit your town, check them out. Take care. Let's talk again next week. When listening to music, Dogger and Muddy recommend turning the volume up to 11. Till next time. Adios. Can I feel speak? Punches underwater. Drifting in the open sea Or is this a dream? Can I see?